You're listening to a Metro podcast. I will not be lectured about sexism and misogyny by this man. I will not. I don't like being called a lady writer. It seems like gallantry to you, but it doesn't feel right to us. We believe survivors. The only thing that separates women of color from anyone else is opportunity. Welcome to the kind of woman power that sustained our grandmothers for 72 years in their struggle to get the right to vote. Welcome to the new wave of feminism. Welcome to each other. Welcome home. Welcome to Nth Wave, the podcast about women and media. On the show this week, a sex ed curriculum about face, how one Catholic school board trustee changed her mind. That's coming up on Nth Wave. Welcome to Nth Wave. I'm Rosemary Westwood, your host and national columnist at Metro News. This is a conversation that we're about to have that came out of a chat I had with a friend over lunch hour. We were discussing Angela Kennedy, who is our, our guest today. She's chair of the Catholic School Board, the Toronto Catholic School Board. And uh, about two months ago in June, uh, a story broke uh, about her son and his, his experience with sexual abuse when he was a child. Brian Kennedy wrote a really beautiful essay that was widely shared and should be widely read. And Angela, as his mother, um, took that experience and, and through conversations with her son, changed her mind as a trustee at the Catholic School Board about the new sex ed curriculum in Ontario. It's something that may or may not have made news across the country. It was certainly dominating the news cycle here for a long time. Um, and it's become very controversial, remains controversial among some parents who think it goes too far. And from what I can see, people, I think, uh, maybe think it maybe advocates for sex at some point and that it ex uh, includes gender identities and sexualities that some people are not comfortable with their children learning about. Um, and that that whole debate, I remember being very personally upset by and being very moved to read about Angela Kennedy's uh conversation with her son and and the way that that changed her mind about the curriculum and then also torn because of the challenge of you know how to reach people who don't have a personal touchstone to something that may help them you know think about something differently if you care a lot about the issue for example of gay marriage should you need should you should you think that people ought to know someone who's gay and wants to get married in order to feel maybe more openness to that issue? So we're going to dive into a lot of things today, and among them, the, the the one reason that made me think we definitely should have this conversation was what a friend said to me about the risk that it takes to be someone who's in a community that might have a strong point of view about something and to go your own route, to take an opinion that might be popular among your cohort uh, and then at some point change your mind and do so very, very publicly. This story, Angela's story, made national news. So I'm really excited to have you here today, Angela. Thank you so much for coming down to our studios. You're welcome. Um, so we're going to go back and talk about this from the beginning, the sex ed curriculum, when it came out. Um, talk us through that. When did it come out and what was your take when it did? 
Well, the sex ed curriculum in the Toronto Catholic Board uh, was implemented uh, this past uh, September, September 2016. And um, the human sexuality uh, portion of that curriculum was to be taught in uh, the spring, in March and April. And the Institute for Catholic Education uh, was charged with the responsibility of providing resources to our um, to our teachers, uh, Catholic resources, so that um, the curriculum could be taught uh, by a Catholic lens. And and that was something you like. My understanding of how you felt about the curriculum in the beginning was that it was not something you were in favor of. You wanted to have a delay. If I think about a, a year, you were concerned about some of the aspects of it. What exactly was your critique of the curriculum to begin with? Yes, well, um, the curriculum, uh, the uh, human sexuality uh, uh, portion of the um, phys ed curriculum, yes, there are some people who might think that some aspects of it do contravene the Catholic faith. However, um, when I ha when I uh, took an in-depth look into it, uh, it's based on fact. It's based on medical facts. And those facts, I think, should be the foundation and the groundwork where everybody starts from. And I think students should know all the medical facts. And I think then it's up to parents who have strong beliefs, whether they be Catholic beliefs, whether they be Muslim beliefs, whatever beliefs, or whether they have cultural um, uh, uh, concerns with respect to their culture, um, they then can uh, uh, ensure that their children know what those cultural beliefs are, know what their faith beliefs are, and uh, bring that aspect only after both parties have have uh, embraced the uh, the facts. I just want to clarify what some of those concerns might be for people who maybe weren't familiar with the curriculum or, or hadn't um, maybe paid attention to the controversy quite as much. So um, I understand you're now saying that these are not um, concerns you yourself hold, but what are... What are the concerns some parents have about where the Catholic faith and this curriculum do not yeah. uh, properly overlap, I guess? Yes, I, I think some of the concerns were uh, around the contraception, and, and uh, some parents thought that uh, perhaps uh, when students would learn uh, the, um, the teachings around contraception, that it would promote promiscuity, and uh, they were... They're concerned that uh, if their their child is educated in that way, that they would then that that would be their green light to go ahead and be promiscuous. But uh, in, in fact, you know, I mean, that's that's not the case. You know, when I took a a, a really hard look at the curriculum, I found that um, that it was based in medical facts, and um, there was no promotion of. Uh, you know, promiscuity. It was basically here are the facts around uh, contraception. Here are the facts around consent. Were you hearing concerns from parents as well around um, naming genitalia, for example, in the early years? That's part of the oh, curriculum. Oh yes, uh, yes, um, and 
not so much that, though. I think that the concerns were uh, more, um, it seemed, uh, around uh, uh, providing some of that information maybe at too early, a, uh, too early on, you know, in their, um, to, you know, pr- providing it to young people earlier than maybe what parents would want. Um, but, you know, in fact, as a parent and as a, as a medical professional, I mean, I think that it's really important to, uh, to learn the proper names of genitalia. And I think it's really important to, you know, to, to uh, be, be uh, provided with all the facts before you make some decisions around where you're going with your own personal life. Right. I didn't mention that at the beginning, but you are a registered nurse and you yes. have been, I think you were saying for 40 46 years. 46 years. Okay. And a nurse, yeah. Um, And what about sexual identities and gender identities? Were those, are those um, as part of the curriculum a concern for Catholic parents? Yes. I I didn't hear so much about that. Um, uh, Perhaps, um, yeah, I I didn't really hear so much about that as a concern. So I want to talk about, um, you, you, you talk about taking a close, hard look at the curriculum itself. Mm-hmm. And that's um, certainly a criticism that came up when mm-hmm. this story broke. Um, people were saying things like, why? Because you heard from your son that he had been abused. So actually, let's, let's um, lay this out. Um, in Brian Kennedy's very brave essay, he talks about being 11 I think, and experiencing for about a period of year um, sexual abuse at the hand of uh, a bit of an older child. I don't um, think we need too many more details than that. Um, And you have, it's been reported, and you can tell me that whether or not this is right, but that you had a conversation and it was sort of something he had been planning and wanting to tell you and ended up learning out in a a, um, parking lot, because how does one bring this up? and he and you asked, what can you do? You know how I can imagine, and but have no idea exactly how many emotions might have been flooding through at that time. But one of the things that you responded with was, "What can I do now? If I couldn't maybe be there for you then, what can I do now?" And he said, "You can support the sex ed curriculum." And then after he said that, um, you took, as you say, a a deeper look at what was there and came to the conclusion that it is not advancing any particular kind of ideology around sexuality, but that it's just based in, as you say, medical fact. Yeah. So, so as a leader in the Catholic community and as a trustee, I've been a trustee for the last 16 years in the, uh, in the uh, Catholic community. Um, and I am a practicing Catholic, I thought, you know what? I don't want to uh, compromise my Catholic values, and I don't think I should have to. I think I need to take a look at this curriculum and see, and also I felt that, you know, I had a, an obligation or a, a, a job to, um, to help other parents to be able to embrace this curriculum. So let me take a look at it and let me see. I don't have. I don't think I have to compromise my Catholic faith at, while supporting the curriculum. So I looked at it with more of that kind of a lens, you know, to to see. And and in fact, I found all those facts, all those medical facts, and I thought, 
and I found that no, you don't have to compromise your faith. You still can, and and children still can learn all these facts, while their parents can then be in charge of making sure that they know the facts, and then they know what their faith, what they believe in. And it's up to those parents to say, and it would be up to me as a parent to say to my children, here are the facts, but here is what we believe as as a, as a Catholic on on each uh, on each part of the curriculum at each stage. So, um, so in here you talk about one of your sons telling you that the Catholic Church's position is to abstain, abstain from sex before marriage, but it shouldn't be to abstain from education. And you say that's true. That's really it in a nutshell. Yes. And so, but so the, then the criticism that came out at the time um, among I saw many people thanking you for talking about this and for ha- for having this openness. Um, but the flip side was people who were asking, why did it take? Um, something tragic in your own family um, and something personal and close to you for you to want to look at the curriculum with this kind of a lens, with the question in mind, does it really have to contradict my faith? What would you say to those people? Well, you know, sometimes it does take um, uh, a force uh, for change and uh, anybody who's a parent and has children, uh, you know, you can learn so much from your children. And they can be a huge force to reckon with. <laughs> After all, <laughs> you've brought them up with certain values. And um, so it was, it was, you know, the many conversations that I had with my, uh, with my boys who are, who um, youngest is 29, oldest is 50. How many do you have? Seven boys. Okay. And uh, all of them were saying, this isn't you. This isn't you. Yes, you're a leader in the Catholic community. Yes, you know, you're a uh, practicing Catholic, but you have to take a look at this curriculum. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And, and you know, and they're pressuring me, you know in your heart, Mom, that this is not so... You know, that kind of pressure from your own children is uh, really more what caused me to. And also to say, you know, my kids, my, my boys are saying you need to be that strong leader for other parents. What is the um, importance of these facts then? I mean, you, you talk about children um, needing this. Like the, the whole point of this curriculum is not that it's like, oh, I don't know, things that are true. It's that there are things that are true that we think children should know. Yeah. So why? Yeah. So, um, for instance, um, the uh, issue of, uh, of, of consent and personal relationships, um, the curriculum does um, invite students to talk about how do they feel about um, about sex at a certain age or about contraception, about consent. And if you have the chance to, to learn about the pros and cons of having, you know, sex uh, outside of marriage or having sex uh, at any time, if you have a chance to learn about the pros and cons, the sexually transmitted diseases, for instance, um, then you can... Um, 
Then you have the opportunity, as you're dialoguing about it, as you're learning about it, to think, well, exactly what is my position? Before you get into a position where you have to make a quick decision that may be a decision that you make without the facts. And so you're saying that an absence of conversation, a silence around sex and sexuality hinders children's and kids' ability to make informed decisions about their lives. Yes, I think that's exactly what I'm saying, and that's exactly what Brian had said to me. If there had been an open dialogue, an open discussion, if there had been a starting point, a jump-off point where, um, where sex was openly talked about, then perhaps there would have been um, more opportunities or an opportunity for something like uh, the abuse that he he um, was subjected to uh, to come out, or he would have been uh, more comfortable uh, bringing it up if there was an openness around it. Essentially, in in terms of like you can teach your your kids good values and 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 many things, but if you don't, uh, if they don't have a language to describe something that's happening to them, how could they possibly talk about it? How could that possibly come to light in a way. Yes, that's right. And if there wasn't an opportunity, if there are no opportunities in in the Catholic household that I grew up in, I mean, there was just no discussion of, of sex at all. And uh, so that's the, and also in my, my husband is uh, from Glasgow, and uh, there was no discussion uh, with about sex either in his family as he was growing up. And, um, you know, unfortunately, it's the same case with uh, uh, in our family. What about this issue of um, sex itself as a thing and the Catholic Church? I mean, I think reading um, and, and just in general kind of seeing the debate, um, and, and we'll get to the how Catholicism varies from other faiths because there's some interesting polling around that. But, um, you know, in general, this, this idea of concerns over talking about sex gives the sort of perception of just basic anti-sex, like not, not no, no sense of pro to sex whatsoever, despite maybe great families. Um, so what would you say to that? What does your Catholic teaching tell you about any positivities around sex or does it? And is that something that you think should be part of Catholic education? Well, um, in our Catholic faith, we um, believe the chastity be- Chastity before marriage is important, and that marriage to of a man and a woman. Um, so I think that if if we're able to have that kind of dialogue in the context of the the correct information, then you know possibly in the future some things may change. I mean, if if there's dialogue, if there's discussion, and people you know share you know views with each other. Um, there, it may be, uh, it may be the road to uh, uh, to bringing change into the Catholic faith. Because you do talk about in some of your um, interviews this idea of sex and love needing to be entwined. That's that's part of the idea of waiting until you're married. Although um, the history of that probably isn't exactly correct because marriage wasn't always about love. But it's a side note. Um, the current understanding to you to what I've in, in terms of what I've seen you talk about is is that entwining. Um, and it's just, I guess I wanted to bring that up because it's an interesting 
um, opposite to the general tenor of debate around sex when faith is is sort of entwined in that. As I as we were saying, this sort of like don't talk about it or don't tell my kids about it, just sort of a negative standpoint. But you actually have in a number of interviews talked about it as as meant to be about love. I'm very very. Um happy with my decision to to talk openly about it because I think that that um, what I found is that people have been very uh, positive and uh, now people talk to me about uh, sex ed all the time nobody needs a segue I people just approach me on the street or in my workplace or or at uh, you know um, family events or or, you know, just any event at all, someone will come up and they'll just thank me for being so open and thank me for, for what I've done. I mean, it, it, it seems like there's just like, there, are, there ha, you know, have been some negative comments, but I, that feels, it feels like 10% are negative and 90% are positive. And so I feel like I've done something uh, in opening this up. I feel like, I, it, it, you know, it kind of makes me feel better. I, I still... Can't do anything what hap- about what happened with Brian, but um, at least you know he's asked me to to bring this out into the open, and I've I've been able to do this. So, do you do you get the sense that people are kind of is maybe desperate the right word, or are they were yearning for someone to to come out like you? Because yeah, I feel like they were. Yeah, they were. They yeah, and uh, you know, principals and vice principals. Um, uh, I, I had people who were from um, uh, post-secondary institutions uh, in psychology departments, uh, you know, send me messages on Twitter. And they're like, and the principals, I mean, the, of the schools are saying, thank you, thank you. Now we're okay to to talk about this with our parents. And I'm like, how, how are you okay about this? I just said what my point of view is. And, you know, everybody is like... Thank you. You've given us kind of leave to to be able to promote it. That sounds like a good place to take a quick break. We'll be right back on Enthwave. Angela Kennedy, um, you were talking just before the break about how much support you received when you came out in favor of Ontario's sex ed curriculum. And that reminded me of polling that I read. It actually came out around the same time as your story broke, interestingly. This is reporting done by Ashley Schnaddy in the National Post. She says that the poll revealed a religious divide over the issue of sex education. 20% of self-identified evangelical or Pentecostal Christians support... Um, the teaching plan. So that's few, basically, of this new sex ed curriculum, compared with 61% of Catholics and 63% of those of an unnamed religion and 55% of Protestants. So um, kind of Catholics leading the way, although those who have no religion are 82% in support of the curriculum. But, But 61%, I mean, that's a lot. And it's not I, at all, I think representative of how we viewed in in the media the religious and Catholic religious response to the curriculum. So it's almost like there were all these people who had these feelings and weren't making a lot of noise about it. And you come along and tell your story, and they feel like they can say the thing that they believe, which is that this is going to be fine. Yes, I, yeah, that's really. Um 
I'm really glad to hear those stats. And uh, but I've been feeling it out there for quite a while. Um, well, since June, you know, I've just been feeling like it, I'm feeling it in in the. Um, uh, I work in a hospital. I'm feeling it from, you know, the doctors and nurses who've who've just approached me. I'm feeling it in the educational community, and I'm feeling it out um, personally in family and and uh, and friends. And I'm feeling it from all. So I have seven sons and all of their friends. And I had, I mean, I had. So many people want to friend me on Facebook after that. It was just unbelievable. You're so popular. And, and yeah, and it just, um, and li- LinkedIn as well. There was a huge um, jump after June. So I was really surprised. I'm like, all these people are, uh, are, are very thankful that I have come out and spoken about it. What about any fears you might have had at the time? I'm picturing you in a position of authority within Catholic education and as someone who clearly is devoted to their faith. Um, someone who, who, as you're explaining yourself, your own history of sex education and within your family is kind of non-existent, really, which is certainly an experience, I think, of many people, of not just Catholic faith. But, um, you know, what were you afraid of or were you afraid? Yeah, well, you know, there are um, there are some... Uh, staunch uh, uh, opponents of the sex ed curriculum who um, who I expected uh, to hear from, and I did hear from them, and they wanted a personal um, a personal meeting uh, to discuss my position and perhaps to help me to change my position back to what it was in the first place. And uh, so, yeah, so slowly I've been meeting with uh, with those people. And um, I've been um, explaining to them what my position is, why I've changed my position, and uh, and that I'm not going to be changing it back. So, well, um, how do those conversations go? Are, are people upset? Are they angry? Um, yeah, they're no, they're not angry. They start the conversation by saying they're sorry about what happened with my son, and sorry that our family has had to. Um, uh, deal with this, and uh, and then they, um, you know, ask me kind of the same questions that you've asked me, like why, what brought about this change, and I, and you know, I just explained that, um, you know, that I um, I took a hard look at the curriculum, and I wasn't about to compromise my Catholic faith. Didn't think I had to, and took a look at it and found the way. And and how do they respond to that? Well, I mean, I'm trying to picture the yes. emotion in the room and some how someone <laughs> walks out of the door. After some of that. them are still well. They are um, some people are still wanting to have more conversations with me, uh, and some and some of them have sent uh, emails uh, to say, "Well, this is the Catholic Church's position, and this is you know on on something, and and perhaps." Um, you know, we should be and you should be talking about this. So what I answer to them is, you know what, I think what we should be doing is working with parents, saying you parents, if you are strong and believe in your Catholic faith or your Jewish faith or your Muslim faith, whatever you believe in, then you have to be right there for your children. You And you have to know what's in the curriculum, know when they're going to be taught that, and you have to... You have to be, um, you know, um, strong with them 
and provide that foundation of your religion. So parents, you are the primary educators. So you, so what I'm saying to these groups of people who are trying to convince me, saying, I think you should go out there and you should talk to parents, tell them to embrace the curriculum, and and suggest that they stay close to their children and teach them the values that they want them to have. Sort of taking that personal family responsibility for the framing of the basic education that will be provided in schools, it sounds like. Yes. And, yes. and, and they're are not they- too happy about that. <laughs> but um, but it's, it's, it, I, I believe that that's what has to happen. And, and so I think they can see my passion and they can see that I, you know, that I haven't compromised my Catholic. See, I think that sometimes they were, some people are trying to test me to see if if I have just, you know, just thrown everything to the wind. And, um, uh, and I haven't. Um, but I do think we have to be open about it. And every family is different. Every family in the Catholic tradition, every family in the Muslim tradition is different. Everybody holds different you know, values. I mean, it's, it. you know, people are on, you know, the a continuum in the Catholic religion. Everybody's at a different place. It's a challenging way to present it in a way, though, too, because, um, I, I mean, I find this particular point very interesting, I guess I'll say. I'm, as we were talking before we yeah. got rolling, I'm Catholic, and I, as I sort of jokingly said to you, you might not recognize me as one. Um, and certainly that's something I've seen a lot. Um, in fact, a Catholic register guy wanted me to write a column for him, and I suggested he read my columns. <laughs> and then he was like, no, actually, we don't, maybe not. And I was like, yeah, it's just classic. Um, and and I so I feel that very personally, and I think it, it just makes logical sense, but it's not— we're not taught to think that way inside the faith necessarily, and there's not yeah. a lot of avenues to express that. And um, I, so I just find that very fascinating because, like, there's no argument to be made that all Catholics are exactly the same. That just can't be true in all of their beliefs and all of their, and you know, the ways that they, like, um, I don't know, talk to their children or what they talk to their children about. And the idea that that we could somehow rally around these these things and always speak the same points. I don't know if I'm explaining it well, but it, it is an interesting... Well, it's a challenge for yeah. parents because, that you know, um, it's not one size fits all. No. And, you know, someone who's very uh, strong uh, in their religion and wants to make sure that their children are uh, believing in, you know, certain things, chastity before marriage or whatever it is, um, they now have the responsibility and the obligation. They can't kind of uh, leave that to the Catholic schools because, yeah, the Catholic schools are going to, I expect that the teachers are going to say, this is what the Catholic Church believes in. Here's the facts. You know, here's what the Catholic Church believes in. And leave it at that. Talk to your parents. Yeah. Um, what about the political uh, sort of ramifications of any of these? You have run for office um, provincially for the conservatives before, and you've told me that's an interest you have again um, until you win, I guess, is what you're saying. <laughs> um, and I wonder if that 
uh, was a thought that crossed your mind? Were you worried about how this position might play in a federal or sorry, in a provincial election? Um, no, no, I wasn't. Uh, no, I'm not worried about that. And in fact, you know, because I feel so passionately about it and because I feel so strongly um Whatever happens, happens. If the PC party is not in agreement with my position or I'm not in agreement with theirs, uh, uh, the same way uh, in the, with, the, with the Toronto Catholic Board, um, then that's the way it is. That's my position. From an electability standpoint, from the public standpoint, mm-hmm. I mean, in the polling, it kind of suggests that it's a good, it might be good politics to, not that I'm suggesting that this is a purely at all political decision that you've made, but it's a factor. And, um, you know, if 83% of religious unaffiliated people in Ontario support this curriculum, and if 63% of Catholics do, you know, do you feel that maybe even just generally out there, this is a this is um, maybe what your constituents would want? You know? Yes, yes. And I'm, and I'm really, uh, I'm really happy to see that. I'm surprised. And, and of course, if this if this hadn't happened, I wouldn't know. I, I wouldn't know about that because people just wouldn't have come out and said anything. I think I'm not sure. Um, you know, I didn't. I didn't have a lot of people coming to me and saying um, we don't like your position. But now they're coming out and saying we like your position. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's really interesting. It's yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. So people were afraid to criticize you, maybe. 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 Fascinating. Yeah, and my call, my medical colleagues. Um, it, you know, I mean, it's interesting. Nursing colleagues, like they're really, really came out in droves to support me. Wow. You know, thank you, thank you for saying that. And so you're so strong. You're so courageous. And. You know um, those kinds of words um, from my my nursing colleagues. And how did that? How does that felt? Um, yeah. How does it? How does it feel to find that kind of reception on the other side of a change like that? I feel kind of badly that I didn't come out earlier. <laughs> you know. Um, so I mean, I'm glad that it's happened now. But seeing all this positive pickup and, and you know, a lot of people, um, uh, uh, I mean, they're not hesitating. They Messages come through my husband or they come through the boys or they come through friends. Like messages come like all the time. Um, so it sort of makes me think, well, I should have come out a lot sooner. And the other uh, aspect to that is this um, what the government with the liberals um, in Ontario have called sort of a blanket misinformation around the sex ed curriculum and suspicion that much criticism of it derives from reading not reading it or not reading it closely um, and I guess that, that was something I thought about with relation to you as well in, in terms of the fact that, as you say, it came out in September, so it's been nearly a year, and and it was June that you, um, that the story broke, that you had this sort of, rev- I guess, revisioning or reimagining of your position, 
it's a long time for people to take in a particular point of view to understand the curriculum in a particular way. That's a lot of work that would take to ask them instead of giving them what they might have needed to understand it in the first place. Then there's a bunch of other people who perhaps would face having to change their minds, which is, I think I'd argue, more challenging. Do you worry about that? Well, you know, it it took me quite a while to, um can't remember when the, um, it took me quite a while to go, to come to that position, like okay. five or six months. So all the time from September till uh, June, mm-hmm. I was kind of working at it, mm. right, looking at that. Mm. I just can't remember the timelines okay. uh, where, um, when I had that. Oh, I guess it was December when I had that Matt Galloway interview. Right. So it was from, yeah, so it was from then. Like, there was, it's quite, it was quite busy then. I became chair of the board in, in December. I brought that motion in September. And then Brian told us, I think, in maybe, yeah, just before Christmas. So a lot of things were coming together, and it took a bit of time to work through that. Yeah. I guess I just want to end on this uh, this idea of, um, I mean, I guess how people change their minds and then what happens when they do. I think there are a lot of um, there are a lot of issues that concern people that that have this uh, seem to have this pattern. I'm thinking of gay marriage in the United States, certainly, and and others. Um, people rethinking their sense of gender identity if they have a child who who wants to identify in, in a different way than society might have expected. And I'm wondering what you think we, the people, the public, should do in those cases. Like, what's your sense of, um, I don't know, how hard that might be or what kind of compassion we, we should maybe think about showing people or how we should, how we should view people who... Um, who have a personal experience that changes things for them. I think it's, um, like I talked about before, a force. So, you know, it, it sometimes does take a force um, that to make you change your mind or to make, or actually, it, I mean, a force just can't make you change your mind. You know, y- you have to, uh, I mean, Question I had, I had some, yeah, yeah, some lots of dialogue, lots of, um, deep thinking and lots of discussions with my husband, with my boys. So, and I think in in um, taking the time to um, uh, to to as you're as you're kind of thinking about something. And I had the sex ed curriculum to go in depth with. Mm-hmm. So that plus talking to my boys, my husband. You know, open dialogue, and then you know, Pia Chattopadhyay's program. She's out in the open, mm-hmm. you know, and and so that was kind of a, uh, an invitation. After I'd done all that thinking, all that you know, um, uh, dialogue or talking with everybody, and then thinking, okay, well, maybe it's time. And that invitation was just like, okay, I think something's telling me I should come out yeah and is that I think that's important yeah so so you're saying to understand kind of what it takes maybe and what the effort is involved and what the yeah it's a lot of challenges yeah Yeah. 
Yeah, because it doesn't happen overnight. Right. And I, I think, oh, it happened with me probably over six, eight months. And should we celebrate? And then everything sort of came together. And should we celebrate that then? Like, like the, you know, the that dual kind of reaction of why did why did something personally need to happen versus why uh, versus like I'm thank you and I'm grateful. Like I think there's certainly um, those two kind of main reactions maybe. And I I guess maybe not even yourself, but just thinking about people in general who go through this kind of process perhaps on something that they they thought they held very dearly and then mm-hmm. maybe that they decided something else was maybe something they believed yeah. in more. Um, which, how should we treat those people? Do we, should we, yeah, what, what should we do about that? Well, I, I think, you know, giving, giving them uh, an opportunity to talk about it. It's really helped me to, um, to be able to talk to uh, generally friends and family. Uh, and even the media um, has caused me to think, you know, think about. God um, forbid the media my, causes so much position. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, I mean, my children and my husband, I mean, everybody's been there for me. Uh, to talk about it, and they've allowed me uh, to express my opinion. And, and you know, um, good thing I have tough skin because sometimes uh, expressing my opinion then, you know, would bring, you know, kind of... Uh, other things, other things, negative. Yeah. I mean, we had some really, uh, you know, between Brian and and Brendan and uh, my other children, uh, we had some really tough talk. Yeah. You know, tough, tough talks. It's... um. It's like the opposite of a lot of the public debate that happens now, whether or not you want to argue Twitter's had an impact or social media has, but certainly contentious issues aren't um, aren't given that kind of conversation, you know, in, in the public space. Things are one way or the other and yeah. people just come out with their points of views and their armor on and they it's like a death battle to the death kind of a thing. Um, yeah, it's so important it's, to have the time to talk about it, yeah. so you can flush out right uh, the really the the real kernel of of you know right. The, it's like a it's issue. like a call for openness of mind in general, both from mm-hmm. people who might wonder about something they think they believe, and people who would be in their circle to um, kind of respond to that. You know the the. Um, and it's something like it's, what what the sex education is doing for students. Right. It's allowing them to have the dialogue. Exactly. It's giving them permission. Yeah. To have that talk. And it's and, yeah. and that's hard to do. Like just yeah. just to the credit of your family, because um, when people care deeply about about something, it's it's not often uh, easy to spend time debating it because it, especially if you think you know and especially if you just desperately wish it were the case already I can think of a number of issues myself around that to be patient um, with one another to talk it out to listen to each other that's just um, it's not something that we generally not something we do p- publicly and, and certainly something we could do more of probably in all yeah that's right and places. we have to be tolerant of other people's opinions as well and and uh, respectful and allow people to to have their opinion, even if it differs from your own opinion. Yeah, and not have a Twitter fight about it. 
Angela, thank you so much for coming into the studio today. We really appreciate you being here. Yeah, you're welcome. I enjoyed it. That's Angela Kennedy, chair of the Toronto Catholic School Board um, and now supporter of the sex ed curriculum in Ontario. Nth Wave is made by Metro News Canada and available on iTunes and Stitcher. If you like us and you think others should listen too, please give us a review. It was produced by me, Rosie, recording, editing, and post-production by Outloud Post-Production. Our theme song was written by Jonah Falco. Matt LaForge leads us. You can reach us via Twitter. Our handle is at Nthwave Podcast, and all our episodes are online at metronews.ca slash features slash nth-wave. That's our show this week. Talk to you next time. This has been a Metro podcast.